You got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Welcome to Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electric People. Excited, Ty, for our guest we have on today. We've got Christian Calabuso. Uh, new to the company, but old in the industry. He's been around for a while since, what did you say, when did you start Door to Door? 13. 2013, so about eight years in. Uh, he started at Protection One, doing a home security system, started then at Trinity Solar out in New Jersey in 2015, mm-hmm. and quickly ascended through the ranks, becoming their senior vice president of sales uh, at Trinity Solar, so over the entire sales force. And, um, and then just recently, this past spring, uh, made the move over to Sunrun uh, to work with all of us over here. So we went from being rivals to, uh, <laughs> to teammates, man. It's like oh. you, went from the, you went from the Yankees to the Red Sox. You know, you know what? Whatever, it, whatever you want to call it. It is. It's, it's so different. Well, thanks for having me uh, here on Electric People Podcast. But it, it's interesting because it's been this rivalry and not even like just throughout the nation, it's been in our own market. So thanks for having me. No, it's, um, I think, I think when you came over, um, there was a lot of mixed emotions, especially with the guys in Jersey because Mm -hmm. you have battled with them so hard for so long. And so, um, but I will say everybody that meets you, super impressed. Everybody that meets you comes away a big fan. And um, I think, the thing that really impresses everyone the most is just your work ethic, your determination to win, and how quickly you've just like assimilated to the culture and like gone out of your way to make friends with everybody. Um, what has it been like since you've come over? I mean, is it is it as advertised? Is it uh, how, how's the experience been so far? Well, it's interesting because go back a couple of months, and one of the first questions was, "Hey, how would the leadership be with me coming over?" Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's. We've been going against each other for the past, call it six years, literally recruiting the exact same people. And the last thing that I'd want to do is come against, let's say, my enemy, if you will. But it, it didn't feel like that at all. I remember the first time I came into the building, I, I think you flew into town, you caught this like red eye flight to get in town, and you were just excited to be around and just kind of show us lay of the land. So uh, is, it at, is it as advertised? Uh, more than not, more than not. I think everything that I've seen about this company in uh, the leadership, which is what I've always like, almost had to recruit against, not just the company itself, but also the leadership within the markets, right? Ty, you've been in California this whole time, or let's say the west part of the country, uh, whereas Adam's been in my backyard the whole time. So it, it's almost, it's, it's, it's a, quite a different conversation. You know, you go back a couple of years to Door to Door Con, where I've heard you speak for the very first time, and I was like, wow, like Jordan and Ty are extremely impressive. I watched you speak right after that, I said, hmm, Adam's extremely impressive. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that I was like, okay, with being a part of the leadership, but you fast forward to that and you, you know, you begin the process to coming onto the company You say, wow, what are these leaders going to be like? What are the conversations going to be like? Are they going to be open to it? Is it going to be a, uh, almost a fake conversation? Because we're all recruiters. We're all really good with people, I, I, I think. Are they going to give me the true self right away? Right? So I would say first couple of weeks, amazing. Right? And, and I don't think that we would have saw anything other than that. But then we go to our VP retreat in Montana, which was super awesome. Adam, you weren't there, but Ty, we got to spend an entire day on the boat together, uh, fishing for for trout uh, in in the river, floating downstream. And I really got to know you a little bit differently, right? Outside of solar, just to understand what kind of person you were. And you look at this holistically and you say, holy crap, these are just really good guys who care about their people. You come in, you see guys like Chance, you see guys like Paul, um, the greats of the industry, right? From, From the other side. And at the end of the day, we're just really good people. You you care about it. And the things that I've heard over the years, there's just two sides of it. You hear the sides of uh, from being at another company and then you see it front hand uh, what kind of people you are. And I, I'll say it again, you guys are amazing people. So the transition was absolutely amazing. Everyone's extremely welcoming and not just from the leadership core. I think the first couple of weeks between LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, I had hundreds of messages from people that I've never met before in my life welcoming me on in their own markets, asking for, for, for uh, advice, guidance. Hey, how's it going? Do you need anything? I've never even seen these people before. 
And you look at the door-to-door industry as a whole and you say, holy crap, uh, is, is, is this what you've been missing out on, right? Because being a part of the company that I was at over the past six years, amazing experience. We had 1,800 employees, 600 of those were sales reps. Uh, and it felt as if it was this big, big family of an, or an army, if you will. But then you step into Sunrun, it's almost overwhelming with the amount of support that I was able to receive over the first couple of weeks. Coming into now being here a couple of months, it's nonstop. So to say the least, it's been amazing. A lot of people listen to this podcast that are outside of our company and just in the industry as a whole. And you coming over here is one of the biggest solar, sh- maybe shakeups in the solar industry in a long, long time, right? So Yeah, and it's funny for me because I didn't really, I mean, I hear about Trinity from being friends with Adam and Daryl and the guys over there, but we didn't really, I mean, you're predominantly East Coast. Mm-hmm. For sure. So it's funny because when you talk about transitioning over, I didn't have any weird feelings. They're like, Christian's coming over, I'm like... <laughs> Well, that's good, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hi, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, imagine, I can imagine, it, imagine if, like, your biggest rival, you know, you'd have, some, you'd have had some mixed yeah. feelings. Yeah. But um, I was, I was, I mean, you and I have been sort of, I would say, casual friends for a while. For sure. You know, um, I think, I can't remember who reached out first, but probably five years ago or yeah. so, you know, we kind of just kept in touch and then we connected at Door to Door Con and, um, so I was really excited, and but I think the big question that everybody has, you know, especially anyone that's listening outside the industry, and maybe even, you know, to our people, is why, why make the move? Yeah, that's a really good question. Who the, the the list is long, right? But if you look at it holistically, what what was the main reason for the move? And recruiting against uh, this machine, this juggernaut, as you called it, all the way back to fifteen, you, you think what what's the main reason why? And a big thing in my recruiting pitch is, if I thought there was a better place to be, I would be there. Simple as that. The conversation stops there. So I think about this and I, and, I, and I look in all the different categories this comes into, right? And for the longest time, I was so close-minded to it that you never really realize, is there a better place to be, right? And I'm not sure that I even realized that until I got here, right? How could you too, right? Because in order to make your team successful, you, it takes a level of commitment that most people I mean, think about how many people were in your position, not like nationwide in the industry. There's only, I mean, under 20. Yeah, so maybe, it's like probably, yeah. That level of commitment to make it work, right? Like, it's easy to say, yeah, I, because I, we say the same thing. A lot of guys don't understand that senior leaders, we don't have contracts. Like, I always joke that this company doesn't even pay for my cell phone. We're 100% independent, right? And so really, if there was a better place to be, you'd be there. But you're so committed to the company that you're at in order to make it work that it's not like you have time to like do like a yearly tour to make sure that you're in the, you know what I mean? Well, well, well you have to, right? <clears throat> and as you said, you have to be so committed. You have to have these blinders on because if not, at the level that we're at, uh, there's a million different companies who are ready, willing, and happy uh, to present any type of resources that you would need, right? We're door-to-door guys. You can drop us off in the middle of the desert. We can make it happen out of thin air. Um, and that's what I was able to do at my prior company. Amazing situation, but when you look at it, um, where does this go for the next 10 to 15 years? You know, where are my people going to have the best opportunity? You know, back to if I thought there was a better place, I'd be there. I want people to have the same exact opportunity that I had. You know, coming back in the industry in 15, new into solar, had no clue uh, what solar is about. Coming from alarms and understanding that uh, you put in the work, you're going to get you're going to get the result all the time. So I thought in that in that situation, it really didn't matter where I was, so long as I was getting the right support, had amazing people. Uh, put people first all the time, it didn't matter. And I'm seeing now over these these first few months into the company, uh, it's a drastic difference, right? The the amount of support, the uh, a level of leadership that we have around us, not being the best person in the room. You know, when I looked at this and I came over, I say, holy crap, you have, you have Ty, you have Adam, you have Daryl, you have Jordan, uh, Chance, Paul. I mean, when listening to Paul's podcast just a couple of months ago, when he was 26 years old, he raised what, 2.1 billion on Wall Street, I was knocking doors. That's the people, those are the people that I want to learn from, right? So, yeah. Well, and people don't understand how difficult it is to do what you just did. I, I, um, I started back in 2004 and I got recruited to a small company to go be like the top guy of this small company. And the, the, the company that I left was the people that recruited me into the industry, a lot of my really good friends, they'd helped develop me, all these things. And I remember how difficult just emotionally it was to leave 
And it was a really, really heavy decision. And I didn't make it lightheartedly. And it ended up being, you know, a major growing point for my career. But I know when you made that decision to come over, it had to have been something that you like lost sleep over for probably weeks. And then delivering those conversations and just like having all those, like what was, maybe just kind of walk us through the level of difficulty of that decision or was it just one of those things that once you really felt it was the right one maybe it wasn't that hard to kind of have all the combos i don't know you yeah. tell you well well here's what's interesting uh again being in the position that we are you don't have anyone to talk to you can't talk to your uh your your regionals reporting up to you you can't talk to your best friends in the industry you can't i had a sister in the company i can't even talk to my sister about this so who do i speak to my wife right? My, my wife and my older sister, right? She's a business director uh, at Hayes. It's a recruiting corporation. And looking at it from two different perspectives. One, my wife understanding everything that, you know, at least I'll let it lead her into throughout the days when I come home. And then my sister who just understands business as a whole. And you think about it and it was probably one of the, or the most emotionally written decisions that was made at the end of the day with a clear mind, which led to the most logical decision I could make. So you go through this progression of, oh my gosh, this is so sad. This is the most heartbreaking thing that I might have to do. Um, lost sleep, that, that wouldn't even explain it. Lost sleep uh, throughout the day. I just almost felt like I wasn't myself. But I think if you ask anybody- That's I'm, when you were making the decision or when you started to kind of toil with it or notice that maybe you weren't in the right spot or what? That's, that's, it's, it's interesting because I don't think that I allowed my, my emotions to get as far as long as I, as I probably, my body wanted to. Yeah, I understand that. You, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's almost as like, I didn't let myself believe what was going on for, for a while, yeah. right? And again, not voicing it to anybody, not a soul and, and battling these emotions within myself. It's like, is it true? Is it not true? Is this something that I really want to do? And coming down to it. So in, I guess it, it was the hardest thing. I even have a loss, of, a loss of words as I'm going through it because it was so many mixed emotions until it wasn't. Was the company in a bad spot no. or they're in a bad spot because you guys all left? Uh, they're an amazing company regardless. Yeah. I think that they're, you know, I, I've done many, many videos and many podcasts and the main reason why I wanted to be at that company was because it had a vision bigger than myself. Yeah. Same I reason. Just didn't know, I just didn't know if you saw like it was headed for rough waters and that partly led the Not, not decision. at all, right? Uh, amazing company, great situation, but you look at what is here and what could be and, and what could I grow in this type of environment? Yeah, right? I felt like that. I mean, it's funny that a lot of times people Personally, I don't know if you feel this way, Adam, but a lot of times people talk to me like, you don't know what it's like, you've only been at Vivian. You're like, no, 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 I left a company once that gave me my entire foundation. It gave me my entire like professional personality and I left it. Like, I know what it's like, right? And it's, and, and it's interesting to hear you talk about it because there's a lot that I really identify with and then there's some that I'm like, man, I didn't feel that at all. Mm -hmm. Like for me, for example, um, sadness, I didn't feel it for one second. Interesting. Yeah, and I was really happy there and I was stoked, but... I also didn't feel sad to leave high school and go to college. I, well, was, well, I, was, let me, I was in. Let me pause but, you there. Let me pause yeah. you there. The, the sadness, I think it would be, keep in mind, I couldn't have conversations with anybody. So when you think about that, all of the people that I've recruited in over the years, I almost felt as if I was abandoning them, right? As, as the SVP, it's totally. like, hey guys, I'm out. I'll let you know when I'm done. Like, it's not even, yeah. I'm kind of leaving. I'm thinking about it. It's separation, phone blowing up, can't answer the phone can't let anyone know what's going on, simply updating my LinkedIn, my, my Facebook, my Instagram, that's it, and no explanation to anyone there. So sadness of, man, I almost feel like I just abandoned my people, but understanding the long term of, I know that sometimes leaders have to jump in the deep end in a pitch black environment, understanding that this is gonna be the best situation for me and how I'm gonna build the environment for my people going forward. Well, you when you talk about, um, and I think it's, I've always had respect for you and you know for for Trinity, but um, they say like a fish can only grow as big as the tank it's in, right? right? So if you have like a koi that's in like a five gallon tank, it'll only grow so big. You put that same koi in a pond, it'll grow to a foot and a half long. Is that a bit, true right? thing? Yeah. Really? So that's a the, great analogy. I just didn't so really the, the, the yeah the fish will grow. I think of like mini sharks right now. I was like, is that real? Like mini so, sharks. <laughs> so yeah, so the fish can only grow as big as the tank. Okay. So what I look at is you're going, okay. I need a bigger tank to be able to swim in. 
and the tank was already massive over here. So it's like, you're like, I can come jump in this one and I can grow even way more than I am even as big as, as big as you are right now, right? Well, that's interesting. And I'll compare it to something a little bit different. I, I played college baseball at Eastern Michigan University and it was a small D1 in the MAC. Great experience, loved it. But we were Adidas. Our facilities weren't as great. Our practice, uh, our, our, our practice environment wasn't as great. Our game day wasn't as great. Our pregame wasn't as great. Our buses weren't as great. Our airplanes that we flew on to go to different schools weren't as great. And needless to say, University of Michigan was five miles down the street, literally five miles down the street on the exact same road. So we're both playing the same sport. We're both in the same division, different conference, but we had completely different resources. They wore Jordan cleats. They had Nike jerseys. They had practice facilities. They had full fields that they didn't have to practice in an indoor bubble uh, during the winter. So when you look at the comparison, forget about solar as a whole and forget about the industry, but something that I went through in my life, whereas I was so committed to where I was, being at Eastern Michigan, getting a great education, saying, man, I wish I could play on that field. What would it be like if I had those resources? What would it be like if I had the coach that was there for 30 years? What would it be like being around first round draft picks? Could my game have been better? So to your analogy of the fish in a a bowl, I would say, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would have to agree with you, right? If there was a better opportunity for me to have better resources and our people to have better better resources, why wouldn't I just go five miles down the street? Which I would say, was that a mistake that I made early in my life? Could I have transferred after my sophomore year? I don't know, probably not, because I would, again, backing up, I'd probably say every decision I made up till now has put us in the spot having this conversation, right? The hard part is, it's like when you start at a different company, Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. Mm. So when you're when you're growing that small company, especially for people that start in like small mom paws or smaller companies, whatever, they don't they don't know what they don't know, right? So they're just growing, thinking, "Wow, this is great. I'm in Eastern Michigan. I'm killing it. I'm playing college baseball." For sure. And there's a kid at Michigan going, "Man, if you had our resources and our facilities, all these things, you'd be incredible," you know. Yeah. And so, I think a lot of times that's our message to people. But it a lot of times falls on deaf ears because they're like so, you know. And we're all stubborn. We all have egos, and you know. Well, it's it's it's. I'll, sorry to interrupt you, but I'll pause on that. And I would agree with you because at times the guy from Michigan, there wouldn't be one time where he would even have that conversation. Like, how do you even approach it? Like, hey, come get better coaches, come get better a better uniform. Because at the time, you don't think any of that's important. You just have this allure of what it could be, mm. right? So from to your to your uh, you know to share your perspective of. You know, that's what you try to get out there. That's what you try to explain in the industry. Sometimes it seems almost too good to be true. Well, I remember we did a, we had a uh, coach Peterson from Boise come talk to us at Vivian Inc. once. Mm. And somebody talked to him. Uh, they basically said, hey, what's the difference between top teams and, and good but not great teams? Which is a pretty tough question. And, he's, and he, you could just tell he had thought about this. And he's like, well, number one is the people. They, they just have more quality people. And number two is a thousand other things. And so the, the, mm. the Adidas versus Jordans and the buses and the facilities, you almost don't, they're so small that you almost, but those are the thousand little yeah. things. And so I, I'm thinking about, that's almost like the difference in a family. Like I, I was lucky to have two really supportive parents that were really hands-on. And as I grow older and older, I realize the advantage that that was. But as, as I look back, it's not the family vacations that we would go on. It's the fact that my dad made me mow the lawn every Saturday. And so that little thing, I didn't even know that it was significant, but I had to do that. I had to wash my parents' cars before I could go play or I had to get the papers delivered. And those little things make the difference. And so I think you've done actually a really good job articulating it as someone that's walked that path because you don't realize what you're becoming when you have access to those thousand little things. It could Mm. be a conversation in the hallway on your way out of here. It could be... Uh, you know, a simple thing that you see somebody do, it could be, hey, there's a position that I don't have, I didn't have at my other company, and I've learned to really maximize that. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the things we have here is we have really good data analytics. Really good. Like, like industry-leading data analytics where people, we could go to our data analytics team and say, hey, in this area of Massachusetts, how many does a rep have to sell in their first 60 days in order for them to be 80% likely to make this amount of money and they have the number? Right, and so it's like even that, like we figure that we have whole programs based around that now. Yeah. But if that position didn't exist at another job, you wouldn't feel the full impact of that loss because what yeah. would you compare it to? Agreed, agreed. You know, should we talk about fishing? Yeah, let's talk about fishing. <laughs> <laughs>
I learned life lessons in a little boat with Shelly, the, the fishing guide. Shelly. In 110 degree weather oh, with Christian hot. Calabuso. It was hot. First of all, we had a full-on man bath we, together. <laughs> we did have a man bath. There's, a, there's yeah. a picture of it. I'm the pale one. <laughs> I'm the pale one. I was the one worried about sunburns. Christian was the less worried you about sunburns. You always pack sunscreen, too. Yeah, I, I know where the nearest <laughs> bottle of sunscreen is at uh, all he times. Was pretty, he was pretty lathered up. It's like an EpiPen to someone with a peanut allergy, dude. Like, <laughs> I know. You just have just uh, a bottle. I was telling him on the boat, like, did you see Unbroken? You know that movie, Unbroken? About mm-hmm. Louis Zamperini? Yeah. Well, when he crashes his plane and like lands in like Japanese waters, and everyone's like, "Oh, there's sharks in Japanese." I'm like, "No, he's gonna get a bad sunburn. He's got 40 minutes to survive. What are you gonna do to solve the sun problem?" That's like on my head. For <laughs> <laughs> and is that is that what that happened? That will never happen to you. No, no, because I that would have been a great plot twist. Yeah, dude, it's like the sunburn got him. I actually in died two of a sunburn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, no, but this is funny because I didn't know Christian very well, but they put us together, and so we're floating down the river, and again. You're in incredible shape. You've got this amazing complexion. You're a handsome dude. You come in here, you're having success immediately. I don't know if you're the type of person that is good at everything that you pick up, but I'm gonna go with my instincts and say that you probably are. And we start fishing. And Christian's catching everything. And I catch a single freaking fish. And at first I don't care because I don't fish and so everything's just like fine. Yeah, you're like, you're starting to make fun of it. Yeah. It's like when you're not good at bowling. You know, yeah. you're like, who, bowl, like, who, who bowls, bowls anyway? What am I going to be a bowler? You know what I mean? Who, like, t- like, t- I want, like I want to be a good bowler. Ty starts like spitting out all this knowledge, like winning over our tour guide now, like trying to like give her like the good juju. And she's like loving Ty. Yeah. Great, 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 great. Yeah, great. and for the first two hours, it's like, okay, stay positive, stay positive. Positive. After that, it started to test me. Christian, you probably caught five fish or yeah, whatever, and I caught it. zero fish. We're <laughs> sitting four feet away from each other. Does this sound like sharing neighborhoods, anybody? And so he's just one fish after another, and then he starts to feel bad. He's like, oh, it's probably just because... I'm he's like, the- honestly, I put some cheese on my line. Yeah. I put some cheese <laughs> so on He's like, hook. I'm at the it's back fine. of the boat, and the, the fish... Or no... Were you in the back or the front? Uh, I was in the back. No, you were in the front at first. Oh, okay, yeah, first. I guess you're right because you went to the front. <laughs> yeah, so and so, so Shelly's like, yeah, yeah, all the fish. Like, if you're in the front, you have a clear advantage. And so we're like, let's switch. And I was like, yeah, okay. So we switch, and Christian starts scooping them out the back, <laughs> and I've got zero fish. I sat in this like blistering weather for like five hours, and then I caught this little fish. This this little guy. And Christian Calabuso from the back of the little skiff about launches out of the boat to catch my fish in a net because there was no way in hell he was going to let me not get a fish while he was catching fish. There was no way. I almost like wanted to like put a fish on your hook like the whole day. But you can't do it for me, dude. But it was it was an awesome actually experience because I was like, dude, like you celebrated my success. It was a stupid thing, but it was to the point where I was like, all right, I'm about to get pretty frustrated. Like I'm talking less, I'm a little more quiet. And I start to think, what am I going to do if I don't catch a fish? And everybody back at the house starts asking how many fish we caught. Side note, Leo Sageman did not catch a fish. <laughs> but I thought it was awesome that by the, time, by the time I caught the fish, dude, my partner here was out of his seat, almost in the water, making sure I got that fish. And I'm going to remember that. Dude. Yeah. Well, well, so if I can ever help you net somebody... You holler at your boy over I, here. I sure dude. will. I sure will. You're right. There's no. There's no way. Well, you know, a couple flopped off earlier in the day, and I was like, dude, this is his one. Like, Some I'm fish. willing to leave my feet to get this, make this happen if we had to. But then I caught like two or three other, and it was no big deal. But it's, it's just like <laughs> selling. It's like, okay, I'm going out. I feel really good to sell. Holy crap! It's four o'clock on a Saturday, and I have gotten nothing. And then you get two or three by the end of the day. You're like, yeah, it was a great day. But, so if you talk, but if you would have talked to me three hours earlier, it would have been like, hey, I'm saving my words, so don't talk to me. Fishing <laughs> like, is probably one of the closest sports that was, is similar to sales. Yeah. But it's like, it's so true. You're out on the doors all day. This is the worst job ever. And then you somehow get in a door at like 8 o'clock at night, and you're walking your car, and you're like, this job's pretty sick. She's like, that was his yeah. exact attitude. Like, like, you saw the progression. Amazing. Yeah, you like, saw the progression of a new rep. <laughs> Yeah, and she's like, she like kept telling me like, do this, do this. I'm like, I am. And then Christian's, I like, am and then Christian's like, another one. I'm like, I'm you doing, take the pole. I'm doing the same freaking thing that he is. <laughs> mend the line, mend the line, mend the How, line, dude. So, you make the move over, and I think something that really won us all over, especially as a leadership group, was just seeing how many people followed you. Um, and it wasn't that you were like actively recruiting them. It's just they were all following you, calling us, trying to figure out like how they can basically follow you over here. So over the years, 
you've obviously become a really, really effective leader. How would you describe your leadership style and why do you feel like you've developed such a good following with you know, those people that have you know, followed you over here and just people that really enjoyed working with you even mm-hmm. at your last company? I think it goes a couple levels deep, but I think just the, if you look at it from the surface level, uh, I'd like to think I'm a man of the people. Like, I truly care about my people. This isn't about managers making money or us recruiting downlines so we can just benefit for me personally for the long run. It's, I really want to put my people in a really good situation. And if you ask any of my leaders, they'll tell you, Christian always has our best interest in mind, right? Any hard conversation I have with my leaders, they'll know I'm only taking you through this process because I want you to understand the, the, the deep-rooted levels of it. I want you to understand why. I'm not a guy that simply tells them, this is this, that's it, move on. I want you to understand the levels of it. I want you to understand why I would have made the decision in any situation that's in front of me. I, I want them to know that any situation that we go into, that I'll always have their best interest in mind. And I think that's why a lot of things, or a lot of decisions that I'll make, that nothing's really second-guessed with our people, right? I've been with them for the past five, six years, whether they went to high school with me, they went to college with me, I shoulder tap them. And at the end of the day, I feel like I can relate with them. I, I, I've been around a little bit. You know, I'm not, I wasn't, you know, I, my parents didn't have it all. I was a military kid, kind of lived around the country, played sports. Uh, I'm not like an overly, I'm a short dude. Uh, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican Filipino, so I have some ethnicity to me. Um, I think I can relate to a big, a, a, large, a large part of the masses, right? And when it comes to that and I meet with them, I think a lot of it's, I would think unassuming, right? If I shoulder tap someone or I just meet them along the way, um, first and foremost, I become friends with them. I want them to know that I'm always gonna have your best interest in mind. I never circumvent people and I'm gonna do everything I can as if you are my best friend. Yeah, I think, so, and Ty can relate, you can relate. We've all had people come to us saying they're being recruited by competitors and things like that. And the first question that I always ask them is, are you doing this because you think you can make more money or are you doing it because you think it's what's in the best interest of everyone that works with you and you have Mm. influence on? And the majority of the time, I would say almost every single time, they're not, they're, they're making the decision with selfish motives. Like I can go make a little bit more money if I go work for this little small dealer here and there. But what they're not taking into consideration is if they're genuinely not doing what's best in the best interests of the people that they have influence on, they will, they will get, it, they eventually sniff it out. Mm. Like the, the people that are following them eventually sniff it out and realize you didn't put me in a better situation here. You put me in a worse situation. And a lot of times those people will come back to us if they you know, ever leave. So I think where that's kind of the guiding principle behind your decision and what you've done with your whole career, it's why you have a, such a loyal following. Have you guys ever seen in uh, some of like the Alarm Summer models used to do this where they would say, okay, you got a budget for housing and anything you don't use, you get to keep. Mm-hmm. What kind of apartments do you think the guys stay in? The right? worst apartments. Like, yeah, it, it's, it, <laughs> even if you're like a well-intentioned dude, you have to be mindful of the, the, the systematic like financial setup, right? So it's yeah. like, it's a lot of people coming like, well, I should be a leader and they will give me a higher position. But I, and I don't know if you feel this as someone that's recently transitioned to the company, but I can't be convinced that a move is better for a rep or customers than this. It's the reason that I'm here. Like, yep. look at like the long-term viability of customers. And I think it's probably easier for maybe you to see Christian because you're you think long term. But if if leaders haven't thought to themselves yet, hey, I'm gonna be here for 15 years, it's it almost like retards your ability to think that way, right? Like you can't make long-term decisions if you in your head are like, I'll probably do this for two or three years and then get out. So it, yeah, You but treat it's, customers different, you treat reps different, 100%. you treat everybody different because you have this short-sighted mentality. Yeah, well, and think about your customer. Like think about what's gonna happen to the company that you are selling this through six years from now. Like yeah. we just saw today, a very big install partner went bankrupt. We saw it today. So you like to think that that wouldn't happen, but it's possible, right? So if you're thinking, well, it's probably going to be fine, and honestly, it's not like I'm going to work here for 10 years, but I don't want to call from a customer in 15 years saying, yeah. right? So when you think long-term like that, it's the difference between, then, then maybe you do take a somehow like a financial on-paper setback for a year or two, but you have a 15-year career compared to somebody else's five-year career, yeah. and then you compound that. It's almost like it's kind of impossible to act in your own best interest and 
make more over time. Like the the world kind of will regulate you there. Yeah. You know well, I mean? it, it's interesting because if back to your to your exact same point. If this was a two-year run, I would have went and started my own dealer. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I've, I've been in the game for six years. I understand the financials. I understand the things that go into running this business. And I think right now the industry as a whole is, it's a, let's quote unquote, get rich quick with dealers. How can I go out there and get the cheapest red line, get a couple of installs in and call it a day? But and in two years, like you're a, not going to go out of business. You'll be fine. I, it, well, it's, a, it's yeah. a mercenary mentality. It's like to the highest bidder wins. And right? and and. and, and it makes sense for some of the people if you have a two or three man crew. If you have a, a, a little crew that's really good at what they do, you don't have to look out for them. You don't have to worry about uh, you know, helping them with, with anything, yeah. right? Teaching them the game. How, how do you teach a brand new person in, in this industry the game if you just started a dealer and you're just worried solely about yourself, which goes into, uh, back to your question, Adam, of, of, of what kind of leader am I? I wanna make sure that this situation is good for all encompassed. Right? I have people that I've recruited six years ago, a guy a year ago, a couple of months ago. How does the guy from six years ago have the same opportunity that the guy from a year ago does? Right? And it comes, it comes uh, full-fledged with saying, hey, this has to be the right situation. I'm a guy that I'm a lead from the front type guy. I'll never ask you to do anything I wouldn't do. I only have two hands. If I have three things to do, I'll just ask for help. So I think in this situation, people truly understood that if I'm coming over to this place it would be the best place that I would want to be in if I was just in the industry, in the industry for two years, three years, four years, or five years, even six years, and this fits the mold for every single person in my, in my fellowship. Whether they come or not, I know that this is what I want to recruit into for the long haul. So when I think about that, the type of leader that I am, I want to be the leader that I would want leading me. I want to be a, pe- a, a leader that, that people truly want to follow, not because, uh, not because of something that I can give them, something because, you know, Maybe this is who they'd like to become in, in, in due time, right? I'm only one guy, but I have a lot of really good leaders uh, by my side. And with that, I think they all follow the same traits. It's people first always. You know, I've heard this thing, um, if there's no margin, there's no mission. And it makes me want to throw up. I, I, I've heard that a couple of times over the past couple of months from alarm guys and from pest guys. And it blows my mind how that's a situation. I think if you put people first all the time, they'll always end up taking care of you. I, I'm a guy that had the same philosophy of a, 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 a foxhole. If you think about the foxhole, foxhole is when you're in war and it's the guy who has your, you know, when you're in foxhole, the guy who has your six is like the most important guy. And when you're at war, if that guy doesn't have your back all the time, you get put in pretty tough situations. So I'd want my people to know, and I think my people will tell you as well, Christian has my back all the time, no matter what. I'm a team player. I'm a I'd like to think I'm a man of the people. Maybe we'll ask a couple of them and see what they think. <laughs> we will. We'll do that next. We need yeah. a fact checker. <laughs> we need someone else to text just, someone, someone text in like right now. Let I us just know. did a poll on my story, on my Insta story. Yeah. Is he a man of the people? Let us know. Let us know. So what role does... <laughs> What role do, do your diverse interests take in, in kind of like your overall life? Like I know you do fitness competitions and mm-hmm. stuff. What do, you, what do you get from that? Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Uh, so I did a couple bodybuilding competitions. I uh, started in 18, uh, did a couple of different shows. And I think I just really like doing hard things. Doing hard things that I'm not really good at or a newcomer too, right? Just go but there. But you're always kind of in shape, right? Like, I mean, you played baseball and stuff, so. Yeah, I, I was in shape, but more of pushing my mind and my body to like the limits of what it can do. Right, you think about bodybuilding as a whole, it's probably one of the most difficult things that you can do to your mind and to your body. I mean, you go from, at my peak, I was 213. At, my, at the lowest, I was 164. You know, over a 50 pound drop and call it 16 weeks. It's the hardest Wait, thing. Wait, you heaviest you were what? 213. That probably looks like a lot of weight on you. It, it, yeah, it's a lot. I'm only five, 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 eight and a half. I said that on camera. I'm like five nine. <laughs> <laughs> you already did the rounding, dude. No, I'm kidding. Five eight and a half, two thirteen. My face gets a little bit bigger. Yeah, I, I kind of look like a bowling ball. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> but when you think about that, I, I did a couple of presentations on this just to our sales teams, talking about discipline, right? Yeah. And over those sixteen weeks, I think it was something crazy like fifty nights in a hotel. Uh, some like 75 days away from my kitchen, like just some crazy numbers of how inconvenient it was to be on this plan. But the process of going through and committing to it was very similar to what we do in sales. You just do exactly what you're told all the time and it will yield certain results. Mm. To that point, I also had a coach. This isn't something that I did on my own. I think I understand you know, weightlifting and nutrition pretty well, but I think in things that we're not experts in, Go get a coach. Go find someone that's way better than you that can look at this as an outsider and say, hey, you're not doing this right. You're not doing this right. You may be too emotional about this. 
do this and you'll have these results. So over those 16 weeks, and each prep's about 16 weeks, um, you find different things about yourself. So why do I do that? Why do I find these diverse channels or different ways to challenge my mindset? Um, I think it makes me sharper in, 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 in different areas of my life. I think it makes me more grateful for food. Makes me more grateful. <laughs> See, I'm not kidding. Yeah, no. Makes me more grateful for family time. Makes me more grateful for, for, for raw conversations where my attention can be held for a long period of time. Because when you're bodybuilding, you're, you're, a lot of the fat that you have is gone. Your mind's not as sharp. Your brain's a little bit foggy. You're not as grateful for family time when you get home. Uh, your food, you just eat the same thing over and over again. So the, my gratitude and my perspective like on life completely changes, which is really weird. So the point, the, to the point of, you know, I, I can do really hard things. I challenge people out there, whether it's bodybuilding, uh, a marathon, an Ironman, whatever it may be, just go do something really hard. And I, I think that if you go back to just general sales philosophy of do the hardest thing in the morning, um, I think people should do the hardest thing like in their life multiple times a year. Like really challenge yourself to find, find different limits in your mind or different limits in your mental capacity to find out what you can really do. Uh, you'll find with me, I'm an effort guy. I'm a 100% effort guy when it fits the mold, right? And going back to who I used to be, I was a 100% effort guy all the time. Like full speed, all the time, no matter what. And I realized you just can't do that all the time, right? You need to be able to understand where you can go, where you can't go and give the right amount of effort in that time when it's due. Back to the bodybuilding competitions. I don't do that every single day, but when it's in that time, when it's during those prep times, you have to be 100 committed to the goal or you won't get the same results or the results that your coach wants you to get. You know, he, you know, Christian challenged me to a fitness thing, like one of the first- How'd like, it go? One, no. Just, Come just, on, Adam. Story. <laughs> like one of the first days he's at Sunrun, challenges me to a thing and I'm like, buddy, <laughs> my, how about you learn the names of the people at corporate first, okay? Like, but before you start challenging me, I'm like, hey, I'm going to establish a totem pole real quick here. Hold okay? on, hold on. Here, you know, but let's talk about why that happened. He's challenging Adam, me to a fitness thing. Adam, Adam's Adam's you moping the, around the office saying, saying, saying you're I'm like, all right, break. buddy. <laughs> hey, guy, that, I can help you. That's exactly what it is. Adam's like eating whatever he's eating. He's like, ugh, I don't like. I'm like, Adam, then change it. He's like, well, I need someone to hold me accountable. I'll tell you this. I was uh, Taylor Turnbull shared a, a, a talk with me the other day. It was like a like a spiritual talk. He sent it to me, and uh, I was listening to it. And there's one thing that I heard that I like paused and wrote down. But he says, "How can we um, expect future magnification without some present deprivation?" Mm. So think about that with like look at weightlifting. Right? It's like. I think that's a great practice for leadership because you are forced to not indulge, mm. right? Like what you want to do is, oh, I'm hungry, I'm just going to do this because I had the thought and I want to do it. But what it forces you to do is say, if I put that in my body, what will the result be? Mm. And it's interesting that I see like the highest level leaderships have that form of mental discipline where I remember this guy was staying at my house once that, that was selling for us. My wife was out of town. So he just wanted to stay with me and like spend some time. And uh, he was like, one night we were sitting down there and he's like, hey, he's like, do you ever just need to vent? Like, do you ever? And he's a real fitness guy. He's like, do you ever just need to just get it all out? And I looked at him, I was like, do you ever just need to just like pound an entire cake? Like, do you ever just need to just like <laughs> stuff cake in your face? He's like, no. And I was like, it's the same thing. It's going to feel amazing going in your mouth, yeah. but the second it hits your stomach, you're going to regret it. And yeah. I was like... It's the same thing. It's that same mental discipline. And he understood this physical discipline so well, but he couldn't wrap his head around the mental piece. I'm mm. the opposite. I eat whatever I want. But it was like, it was like, but I, I see same. that. <laughs> I got you your back. I Fox feel like you're guy. attacking me right now. You got yeah. my six. You got my yeah. six, baby. You came on the wrong show. No. The, uh, but it is cool that that, that that level of, I'm going to do what's best for the people is also like, you can't freak out. You can't react. You can't judge. You can't, you can't lash out. You can't put somebody in their place because what's that actually going to do? It might feel good in the moment, mm. but that's probably the reason to Adam's earlier question of why you've had some longevity is because people haven't seen you make a self-serving move that mm. put them in a compromised situation. But if you don't operate with some level of discipline, you're really subject to that, right? Like you, you, it feels good to get a title. It feels good to get a signing bonus, I'm told. It feels good to it feels good to get recognition. It feels good to get attention. But you have an ability to kind of stop and think and be like, 
what is that? Almost mm. like this hunger, this, this, this sugar craving I have. Mm. Is it going to help me or hurt me? Most people don't operate with well, that. Well, it's interesting too, because I did my first marathon this past summer, and it's, it's the process that's gratifying. It wasn't the marathon. The day of the marathon, was, it was awesome. Don't get me wrong. Family was there. Completing 26.2 was great, but it was the months and months of the early morning, just putting in the simple miles. And to the point of not overindulging, it's also the same perspective in running. Like, you don't just go out and run 13 miles. You don't just run 14, 15, 20 miles. You do what's on the plan every single time. So that's the, 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 the end result. It was almost a byproduct of what process we were going through. You, when, you, when, you, when you gave that quote, it put a lot of things to my mind, right? Say it one more time. How can we expect future magnification without some present deprivation. And it's interesting because when we talk about the discipline of doing certain things, it's almost as if the delayed gratification, that, as I said before, it's just a byproduct. I think yeah. people who just do the, the, the thing every single day, that's just like the cherry on top. I'm gonna do this regardless. I'm gonna commit to the process. And that's just a benefit. So I, I was able to talk to a coach in one of our episodes earlier. Um, her name's Hart Logan. And she was talking about, because I told her like, people always come up and say, hey, I'm gonna beat Dave Madsen's record, right? And no one's ever beat it. It'd be like someone coming up and saying, I'm gonna get in better shape than you. I am gonna get in better shape than you. And she helped me understand that, talking about this byproduct thing where that's a stupid goal. Like, and it's, and it's less likely to happen because it, the makeup of the goal is all wrong. If I wanna get in better shape than Christian, is that gonna motivate me when I'm watching Ted Lasso at 10.15 and my wife ordered crumble cookies? Mm. It's like, no, I'll get to that tomorrow or whatever. And so what she said was, why do you wanna beat Dave? Why do you wanna be in better shape than Christian? Oh, I just don't like the way I feel and I know I could do better. Okay, what's the very best for you? Well, I think I could get to this point. Okay, then you'll beat Christian or you won't as a byproduct, but you're likely now to get that done because it's, it's personal and meaningful to you, yeah. right? And so like, I like that with the, with the marathon thing where it's like, hey, I'm gonna train. I wanna do something really hard. So I'm gonna follow the program. And then it's like, well, yeah, I did the marathon. But you did the marathon far before you ever did the marathon. 100%. Kind of, it's, it's, it it kind of goes like into sales goals as well. Right? I was actually never a guy that set a goal like, well, I'm gonna do 20. Because remember, I'm an effort guy. I'm just gonna put the effort there. I think if I say I'm gonna do 20, I may like stop when I get there. So I've never been the guy to put a number out, go hit it. It's like, hey, I'm just gonna put the work in. I'll get what I get. You don't have to question if I work. I promise you that. So it's just yeah, along the same vein. That's powerful vocabulary though to say like, I am an effort guy. If you define yourself by effort, you'll always be fine. If you're like, hey, I'm an all-star. I'm a closer. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah, Cause it, 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 I'll just try. Right, like running sales, whatever the whatever the situation is, I'm just gonna try as much as my ability will let me do. Right, and I think that's where a lot of people will get into. I want to be the best, or I want to do this. Just do, just be the best that you can. Right, and if you look at our all, the management team that we have and the top sales reps that we have, I'll never judge on on how good they are. I just want to know, did you use everything that you had in your tank? If you did everything that you had and you tried your absolute best, I'm good with that. I don't need the absolute rock stars. I think everyone has different levels of performance. If you look across the nation, as you said, like everyone wants to beat Dave Madsen. Well, you may not have the same skill set, the same work ethic, or the same mental fortitude that Dave Madsen has, right? So back to where should you be? Where do you stack up? And I think if people were able to identify that, they'd be pretty happy with where they are in their success. Do you think discipline is like a muscle that can be grown or shrink? Mm, that's a really good question. I think you do it or you don't. I think if you allow, if you allow the progression of it, right? Let me back up. I think you can get better at it, right? But getting better at it, it's, it's binary. It's either you do it or you don't. You can't just kind of do it. You can't be kind to be on time. You can't kind of go to the gym. If you commit to something, just do it. I think it's that simple, right? I think, I, you know, I, I wake up pretty early in the morning um, and people say, well, how do you wake up every day at four o'clock in the morning? I just do it. I'm tired, just like some people are. It's not always fun to be at the gym at five o'clock. What time do you go to bed at night? Uh, between 9.30 and 10.30. Like if I'm up past 10.30, I'm like, I'm pretty upset. Dude, you're not even awake when the decisions are being made, dude. Uh-uh, <laughs> uh-uh, uh-uh. Yeah, depending, depending on where it's at, like if I'm, if I'm recruiting or I'm, or I'm, I'm uh, let's say I'm in market with a different team, I'm at a team dinner, of course I'm staying up late. But a normal, I'm at home, I'm at the office, wherever it may be, 9.30, I like to like walk up the stairs. Ten, I like to be asleep by like 10.30 because I got to wake up at four o'clock. Like four o'clock comes pretty early. 
Uh, I have a kid. I have a kid. So that may change things a little bit. Two years old today. Two years old today. What's your son's name? Kai. Kai. Kai James Caliguso. Yeah. Kai is two. <laughs> he is two. It's big. That is big. Two years That's old today. Big. I've always thought that discipline is uh, its sort of a habit that you can get better at over time. So, like, if I was going to encourage someone who I see just has, like, zero self-discipline in their life, um, there's two schools of thought. You either just jump all in or you say, start with something small, like cut out soda out of your daily diet sure. or something. Like, start there. That's, like, a small daily discipline. And then once they get that down, then go to the next one. So... I guess, what's the, do you feel like, I mean, to me it feels like you're just kind of like all in or all out on things. 100%. So what do you say to someone who it's just obvious that's not, it's like that doesn't work for them? Well, you started to get on it. You think about atomic habits, right? Make it small, make it attractive, make it easy. There are ways that you can get better at discipline. However, when you set those different triggers up in life, you have to either do it or don't. That's what I mean Mm. by uh, it's binary. It's not kind of do it. Like if you can sit with someone who understands discipline uh, from, from a deeper level, if you will, and set up a plan on how you can accomplish something, right? I think discipline is a very broad, a, a broad topic. So if you, can, if you can put together a plan and commit to the baby steps of the plan, once you start that path, you just commit to doing each step. Don't commit to doing the big task. Same thing, right? Committing to the marathon. Well, I really committed to the plan, right? You commit to sales. Well, I really committed to knocking doors, uh, committing to coming to Sunrun, well, I really committed to working with the leadership. It's small baby steps that amount to the big picture. So getting better at discipline, I, you already said it. Make it easy, make it attractive, make it small. If you want to stop eating bad food, stop buying bad food. Get it, get it out of your house. If you want to get out, get on doors at time, stop scheduling your doctor's appointment for, at, for noon. If you want to hit these different sales goals, why are you only working three hours a day? You're, the plan's broken from the beginning, as you said earlier. Yeah. You have to have the right plan, and you have to follow every single step along the way to yield the certain results you want. You know, you think about uh, predictable success. Predictable success is just putting in the right inputs to amount to the right outputs. There's a lot of people in this industry, you both included, who have had a ton of success in this industry. I think all of our managers give our, give our, people, they give our people a playbook. Here's what you say, here's what you do, here's how you stand, here's how you look, and if you do these things that yields these outputs, what happens is I think people pick and choose what they want to do. Well, I, 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 want to, I want to say this, but I don't want to work the hours. I want to work the hours, but I don't really want to say this. Just commit to every single step of the plan. If they give you a thousand steps, just chew them off in bite-sized pieces. Well, they, they, um, what I see happen all the time is reps will come up with a plan. They'll start the plan, and then within like a week, they're back off the plan again. And that you referenced Atomic Habits, great book, by the way. If you haven't read Atomic Habits, read that book. It's amazing. But um, they talk about why oftentimes people get derailed from the game plan. It's like these Pavlovian triggers that yeah. happen for them, right? It's like someone that's trying to quit smoking, they eat something and they just have this habit of smoking after every meal. And so to break that habit, you eat and then you immediately brush your teeth drink a glass of like grapefruit juice, like something to drastically change the taste in your mouth to avoid those like Pavlovian triggers, right? So he was talking about like, if you wanna stop drinking soda and you wanna increase your water intake, he's like, put water bottles all over your house. So every time you get thirsty, you can see a water bottle and you just grab it and drink it. You know, like there's all those little things. So I think if you're someone in sales trying to develop new habits, you also need to be mindful of what the triggers are that send you into bad habits. Yeah. And a lot of times those are people, like they're friends, yeah. right? You'll get a text from a friend who triggers you into bad behavior. And so you have to like surround yourself with good people that are constantly keeping you on this new track or you know, path that you're trying to do. Well, I, I think sometimes that's tough for people who have massive friend groups that they've grown up with their whole life because you can be seen as the person that wants to help that person through that time. Like, hey, someone helped me, I can help that person. Does that make sense? Sometimes it's your family, which makes it even harder, right? Mm. Like sometimes it's like, man, people that like, like I just need to like, really See think about all when the time. I talk to my mom. 100%, but I say that to say this, if you're not in line, if you don't have your stuff figured out, you're in no shape to help someone else pull through a situation. So as you said, it's surrounding yourself with really good people. Uh, that's the only thing that you should be doing if you don't have it figured out yet. 
once you think you have it figured out, call it in sales, call it in business, whatever it may be, right? Then you can start helping people through and pulling them through, let's call it the sales ladder or the career ladder, getting them into different spots of leadership or different spots of management or even becoming a top performer. But I see it too often where you have lower performers saying, well, I just want to help everyone uh, way too early in their career when they're not quite ready themselves. So the day starts at four. And what does it look like? Day starts at four. I wake up, get some pre-workout. Uh, usually leaving the house by like 4.40, get in the gym at five. Gym from five to 6.15. You I don't get, eat first? Uh, I don't usually, I take a protein shake along with me. So pre-workout, protein shake. Get to the gym, there till like 6.15. We'll come home. If I'm doing cardio, uh, I'll hit the street or I'll get on the Peloton. Uh, puts me around like 6.45, 7 from 7. Hey, what kind of water did you push in on the Peloton? Adam? Oh, you know. know. Well, Adam has a Peloton <laughs> treadmill, and he's been challenging. Oh, you don't have the bike? You have the treadmill? I got the tread. I just ordered the bike. He's, I hear the, I hear I the treadmill. Oh, I hear the treadmill okay. is more intense than the bike. I mean, it's all intense, Ty. Yeah, it's, it's intense. all intense. <laughs> like, you're talking to a guy who had to buy a Tesla, so I stopped going to gas stations, so I'd stop buying Reese's Fast Breaks. <laughs> that's a level it's like, of discipline. The whole thing's <laughs> hard, okay? The whole thing's hard. Like, that's how disciplined I am. Yeah. I actually bought a car to it stop going to gas, to yes, the gas yes. station. Yes. Pelotons, you, you have one. It's always so. awkward pulling to the gas station now, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, I've been there. You have to pull and park and then get the jelly beans. Uh -huh. You're like, no, nah, I'm just here for Sometimes the Sometimes I park at the pump just for fun. <laughs> I, I follow you on the treadmill. I'll follow you on the Peloton All bike right. as well. Yeah, it gets there um, Wednesday. Get oh, ready. Okay. Get ready. I, it's okay. For those out there, 45 minutes, 818 PR. I doubt you'll beat it. 818? Hey, 818 the reason minutes. I got it, Holy side crap. note, the reason I'm actually buying this, literally the reason... Um, have you seen Austin Klinger lately? Yeah, I saw him the other day. All he does is ride the Peloton for yeah, like an hour great. a day, and he's his body's he's like changed his life. So cool. Yeah, it's cool. Anyway, we digress. Eight eighteen. Eight eighteen. Yeah, you you have one? Yeah. <laughs> Tyler the Peddler, hit, hit me up. Tyler right? the Peddler. Tyler the Peddler, cruising Cali. Yeah, I, got about, I got about 17 followers, and you'll see me on there for about two days a month, but they're consecutive days. That's okay. That's yeah. okay. Yes, I do that. I but, come home. Yeah. Then, it, then, it, then it's mental prep, right? Mental prep for the day. I think that as I look through this and I look at my schedule, it's fixed in the morning, right? There's certain things that I do. I'll come home. I'll read or listen to a podcast, listen to an audio book, and then the day starts. Mm. When the day starts, it's variable. From 8 to 6 in the office, it's completely variable. And if I'm in the field, call it from noon till 9 p.m., it's variable. So when I look at that and people say, well, how do you stay so consistent in your schedule? Well, I know what to expect. I know what I'm going to get in the mornings. And I understand that the, the day may be a little bit crazy, whether it's meetings, uh, recruiting, flying somewhere. Um, so that's kind of what the day looks like. That's cool. Yeah, it's helpful. Well, Adam gave me the time sign. So that means we need to stop talking about success. Christian, man, it's good to have fitness. you. Yeah, of course. It's good to be here. Excited to see what the next few years look like. Let's do it. It's going to be awesome. I'm, uh, you know, I'm on, the, I'm on the right bus in the right seat, going the right direction with the right team. So I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be a part of this leadership. And more importantly, I'm grateful. Cool, man. That's a wrap. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.